when I got that first taste of the on stage real thing, it was just like, wow, this is so awesome. And I just had that desire at that point. I said, I've got to try this, even if I can't, you know, at this point, I definitely will not get to a professional level, but this is just too exciting not to want to try to participate in it somehow. Hey dancers, welcome to the show. I'm Julie and I'm your host today on this episode of Broche Banter. I both own and teach at Broche Ballet, a virtual ballet school just for adults. Join us as we explore all things adult ballet. Today on the show, I chat with Jamie. She's legally blind, but despite only being able to see light, dark shapes and colors, Jamie started ballet three years ago after attending a magical, sensory-friendly ballet performance. About two years before that, she had decided to grab the bull by the horns and had embarked on a weight loss journey, losing about 120 pounds. From performing in her local community to her dreams of point work, ballet keeps her motivated, brings her joy, and is a wonderful spark in her life. You can follow Jamie's story on Instagram at blossoming underscore ballerina. Enjoy! Before we get to the show, let's take our broche bite. On this segment, we'll talk about bite-sized ballet tidbits to give you something to chew on while you listen. Today, let's count some music. When we count music, we count a number every time we would clap along with the beat. As dancers, we start over when we get to the number eight. So we count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, and so on. Why do we count music? So that we can communicate about time. The same reason we like to be able to say, let's meet at one o'clock. It's helpful to be able to say, do this movement on count six, because it helps us know when to be in a specific place or movement. Typically when the music begins in a dance class, the very first note that plays is count five. We count five, six, seven, eight, and then usually the combination starts on count one. So let's count a little bit of music together. Five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Now on to the show. Jamie, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to get to chat with you today. Oh, me as well. Thank you so much for um, being so willing to have me on and to uh, invite me in to share a little bit of my story with the the crowd out there. The last time we talked was when my Instagram account had hit 5,000 followers and we did a giveaway and you and I had a little chat at that point. That was so much fun. That was, was I don't know, a year ago something maybe, but that was so much fun the last time we got a chance to chat. So I knew it would be awesome to be able to share your story to the ballet community. Um, so when did you start ballet? It was December of, um, I think it was, yeah, 2016. Um, I got invited to a sensory friendly, um, accessible showing of the Nutcracker that the uh, ballet company in the next town over from us, um, has the town that I'm in is, uh, I'm in just to kind of paint the picture and give you a location. I'm from upstate South Carolina and the area that I'm in is very uh, rural. That's even hard to say, you know, things are very far flung. And so there is, um, there is dance presence in our County, but not a lot of it is ballet or um, ballet centered. Um, So there is a a bigger town about 25 miles from here that has, um, that has a small company that does community events and things like that, as well as, you know, they're, 
their typical repertoire of shows for the year. And so they, but they always do the Nutcracker. And so they, um, and as part of that, they have a, what's called a sensory friendly or an accessible um, showing where they only do the first half of the uh, production. So it's not as long. You're only getting acts one and two and they leave the lighting somewhat brighter. The music is not quite as loud. Um, you know, they do some other things to help facilitate those with a sensory disability to be able to just enjoy the performance more. And it just so happened that I got invited to come and be in the audience that year. And that was really the first taste of ballet I had had um, full on in person. I'd always seen ballet dancers on TV or, um, you know, things like that when I was younger. And I liked the idea, but I just never did think of myself as getting to be in that role or getting to participate in that really. Um, but when I got that first taste of the on stage real thing, it was just like, wow, this is so awesome. And I just had that desire at that point. I said, I've got to try this. Even if I can't, you know, at this point, I definitely will not get to a professional level, but this is just too exciting not to want to um, try to participate in it somehow. Um, so I kind of started on my own in January of that following year. I think it was 2017. Um, doing some things with YouTube, kind of picking up on some good channels that had some beginner tutorials. And I just kind of started doing little tendus and plies in my bedroom, just sold it onto a chair for a bar and just, um, very simple, you know, easy kind of things. And, um, um, while I was kind of doing that, I was kind of looking for some avenues to take some classes and, um, the adult class that they had happening at, the company where, cause they also the company that, um, is at that um, town several miles over also has a school. Um, but the classes that they were offering in were really not at the beginner level. They had one for already established students, but that wasn't me and there wasn't any available right then for beginners. So I kind of had to wait a little bit, but sure enough, um, I kept plugging away at home and doing what I could and getting advice from people that, um, were, in that role more and could tell me what to work on and what to do until I could uh, get to the point to where in August of that year, they're finally, um, they opened up a beginner adult class. And so that was my first formal bit of training starting then. And that class went for a few months, but then because of the enrollment, it kind of, um, they had to, they couldn't support the enrollment they needed. So they ended up having to drop it but the instructor that taught the class was willing to do private lessons with me every week. And so I continued to do that the rest, the remainder of that year. Um, and then in the summer, I think that was, yeah, uh, 2017, I um, was able to transition to take private lessons with um, an instructor from a local studio. That's only a few miles from my house, which made it a, little, a lot easier to get the lessons rather than us having to be, you know, drive 26 miles away. Um, to get access to that. And I have been, I have been and still taking privates with her ever since. And so this August marked officially me being in, having been into ballet for three years. Wow. That's so exciting. Three years is a long time. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really, it's funny though. It's like you, uh, I think sometimes the, the time it, it seems to take um, for things, you know, you start off, something completely new and it's a daunting task for a lot of people and they think well gosh well it's going to take me this x amount of months or years or whatever it is to get proficient at this and and i'm starting so late but 
for me, it was like the time just flew. It's like, I would encourage people, don't worry. You know, if you're thinking about trying to get into ballet, don't worry about the time factor. It's going to happen. And trust me, it's going to go faster than you think it will. That's true about life too, right? You think, wow, life is long. And then all of a sudden the days keep on rolling. <laughs> um, it looks, um, so tell me about, let's just back up for a sec. Why is it important that you have a sensory friendly performance um, for you to go see ballet? What makes that, um, what about you makes that something that is important to you? And it's so funny that I didn't even mention it. And um, it probably is going to have a significant role in the story here, but I'm actually legally blind. And a lot of people, unless they happen to see me with my cane or happen to be reading something in Braille, wouldn't even realize. Um, and so that's that was kind of my um, segue into getting invited to that sensory-friendly performance because, of course, they did some things. They had the touch tour, and we got to touch things, the props, the costumes, some of the things that they used during the show, which, of course, um, really gave, especially for someone that doesn't see very much from the audience perspective, you know, when you got to see and feel it hands-on definitely um, definitely made a difference in my enjoyment of the show um, being able to feel and touch um, the things that are involved and to get that full sense of what was happening on stage that was really awesome and it's funny it's like um, a lot of people think of the blindness as being a major deal but it just goes to show you when you comes right down to it it's really not um, a lot of people will still think of blindness as being something that's a bit of a disadvantage or a challenge. But to me, it's just like a normal characteristic of who I am. It's like having blonde hair or blue eyes. You know, I've gotten to the point to where it's not something that if it enters my mind every day. Oh, I do things this way because I'm blind. You know, it's just, I go about my everyday life and doesn't really play into it. So I didn't think to mention that while ago. So thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. It's an important factor. Um, you know, as, have you been have you been blind your whole life, or did that happen later in life? I was actually born that way. Yeah. Um, the um, syndrome, the particular condition that I had, which also has caused some other um, health related things to pop up as well, um, was present um, while I was still, you know, being formed and before birth. So it's something that I have I've I've never known it any any other differently. It's something that I've you know kind of lived with and. Um, had my whole life to adjust to, which in ways is an advantage uh, yeah. versus somebody who is blinded later and has to suddenly make this change. You know, they, they live most of their, or part of most of their life as a, a fully sighted uh, person and then have to suddenly make that transition. So um, it, it was a blessing that I did get to grow into it. <laughs> I'm sure it's a lot less scary to figure that out when you're a kid than when you're an adult. That would be very intimidating to figure out having to navigate the world um, as a person who's very far away from the ground. Yes, <laughs> for sure. So, I mean, from my perspective, obviously relying on my eyes for so much, um, the statement that blindness isn't that big of a deal is a little bit confusing or maybe hard to grasp. Um, and maybe it is for some of our listeners as well, because I mean, balancing, even if I just try to close my eyes is so incredibly hard. So to think about doing all of this stuff without really being able to see that much, um, I guess if you just go around the world, always not having your eyes to help you balance, maybe you just have a better intrinsic sense of your balance. Um, do you find balancing challenging in ballet or is that actually just part of just normal for you? Um, it can be a challenge. Um, in my particular situation, I have a visual condition called nystagmus um, where your eyes move. And just depending on sometimes in the video, you may even see them wiggle a little bit at times because they've, even when they're 
um, as still as they can be, there's always that slight bit of bit, little bit of movement that's happening with them. And so um, balancing staying still isn't really that. I don't find that as much of a challenge, and especially not with the bar work because you've always got the bar right there. You can grab it, and that kind of gives you a good um, foundation to work from. But I do think maybe turns um, – and doing things where I'm moving across the floor more. I think sometimes that does present a bit of a challenge because that nystagmus I think does make it, I think I, I have to spot a little, a little more and a little differently maybe than other people have to. So that does maybe throw a little bit of a, a challenge into it, but I just look at it as another something to overcome. Um, whereas, you know, someone else's limitation may be there. Um, you know, maybe they need to build up. And of course I, still think I need these areas too, but maybe they, maybe they're worried about their arches or their muscle strength or um, the degree of flexibility they have. But I, I just look at that, um, that aspect of it is just another challenge to be overcome and worked through. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, is your, is your world black or do you see moving shapes or what, how much, what do you see? Yeah, it's interesting that you ask that because blindness is very much a spectrum. And I think we're, yeah. we're used to dealing with, um, um, as, the, as autism has come with the forefront, they talk about the autism spectrum. And a lot of people don't realize that blindness very much um, kind of lends itself to that as well, because you do have degrees of blindness. Um, um, you have um, those who are still, you know, who are um, legally, you know, there again, meet the definition, but can still see, you know, shapes, colors, large print to a certain extent, you know, all the way to, you know, what we call someone functionally or totally blind. And I'm kind of in that middle range. I do have some functional eyesight. I do see light, dark shapes, colors. If something's moving, I'll pick up on it right away. Um, things that are brighter colors tend to catch my attention more visually. Um, um, I do also tend to be very nearsighted. So getting closer to things also helps. And sometimes it's just a matter of when you can control that proximity. If, I, if Usually if I can get it close enough, I can figure out what it is. Um, not always possible. So there again, you have to learn some non-visual workarounds for when you can't get that close to something or you're um, kind of in that challenging role. Uh, light also is a big factor to me as well because, you know, the presence of, is it, is it too much light or too little? Um, um, I also tend, tend to have a little bit of light sensitivity. So that makes it, that can make it a little bit of a challenge, especially in areas where the lighting is brighter and you have to try to, sometimes you've got control over that. And sometimes you don't, obviously. Uh, so that's something that you kind of have to work through as well. But there definitely is that spectrum that, um, um, the fact that blindness does come in varying degrees and not everybody that's, um, blind by the legal definition is, you know, completely, you know, has no visual reference whatsoever. So um, my thing is that I have to, it's a bit of a challenge knowing when the visual, being able to use what vision I have helps and when to turn it off and go for a non-visual technique that's going to get it done faster. So um, I can read print still if it's big. Um, however, my eyes fatigue, especially as the age factor kicks in, they fatigue a lot faster than they used to. So I use a combination of large print, braille, and audio for my reading. And it really depends on how long I'm going to be reading and what I'm going to be reading for that determines which media I use. I do travel with a white cane, and I pretty much don't leave the house without it. 
Um, even if I'm in a situation where I'm in a familiar place or I'm around people that know me well, I still have it with me because you never know when that emergency situation is going to come up and you're going to need to be able to um, fully assist yourself with um, getting out of an area if you have to. So I'm just, I'm very, I'm also just, I, I tend to um, have a heightened general sense of awareness of what's around me too, which I think kind of in ballet that can be very useful. Uh, you know, if you're picking up on little nuances and um, things that um, about your, the, your movement or the quality of it or the direction you're going that maybe, you know, someone else wouldn't pick up. I, there again, I tend to look at that as more of an advantage and a disadvantage. Definitely. I mean, ballet, as you mentioned, is all about awareness, right? It's all about awareness of your body, awareness of space, awareness of details, and there's so much in it. Um, how do you, when you're in class and the teacher's demonstrating, how do you, um, how, how do you follow along? Do, do they describe it for you? Can you see a little bit of how they're moving their legs and their arms, or how does that work? I do use what visual reference I can. Um, on some days, it's more helpful or less helpful than others. It just depends on how fatigued I am and how tired my eyes are. If I'm having a really good day, then I can pick up on a lot visually. If it's eh, not so great, then maybe not as much. But my teacher does do a really great job of being very verbally descriptive with me, and she's very detailed and um, will use, you know, will use um, pretty detailed language as far as like. Um, the parts of the body in which muscles, which muscles are doing what, you know, um, um, we're, you know, she's very verbally descriptive as far as telling me what needs to happen where. And she's also really good about correlating the technique or the step we're learning to something in the environment that I'm already aware of. Um, I know when we were dealing with, um, um, some of the movements, potash of balls and things like that, um, you would just, um, we would, she would describe the, you know, if you think about the way the horse's, the horse's hoof moves for the pot of Cheval. And there was something else that we compared to one of the sticky hands that came out of gumball machines at one point that uh -huh. would whip itself out and come straight back. You know, so I think, I think maybe we use that for the degachets, you know, so uh -huh. she's really good at finding an object lesson, something that I am familiar with to give me a sense or an idea of how that body part should move or where it should be going. And um, so her doing that has just very much helped <laughs> my progress tremendously. Um, and awesome. while I wish there were more classes in my area to participate in, I kind of feel like I do get more out of the private lessons because there is that one-on-one -on -one aspect. And um, my instructor's not having to try to be concerned with, how to explain things for me in a class with eight or 10 other sighted uh, people that may not need that, you know? So um, I think that even if I were to work into a position to take more classes and things, I would still keep the privates going um, because of just um, the instructor being able to just have that one on time, one on one time with me because some things do take a little bit longer to get explained or for me to fully grasp how that muscle movement should be, you know, that sort of thing. Sometimes mm -hmm. it does just take that, just that little extra time in, in the working of that out. So, um, and one of the things I told myself in the beginning was this, okay, we're not going to treat this like a race. You know, what matters is that you're making improvement. It doesn't matter the pacing. <laughs> so, you know, I'm an adult at this point. There wasn't a reason to rush right into it and really push myself to um, 
feel like, I, okay, I've got to meet this deadline with meeting this goal. Or, I mean, obviously I do have goals set for myself and I'm have a good general awareness of where, I, of where I'm heading and what I want to be doing next. But, um, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's good that I've too, given myself some permission to have some flexibility with that because some things are going to work a little bit differently for me. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's, uh, I think it's an important lesson for anyone, even any sighted person, too, to have patience with themselves and flexibility in that process, because you never know what sort of setback is going to come along or what sort of challenges you're going to face. You can't anticipate ahead of time if you haven't seen it before. So it is a long, as like you, like you said, as long as you're on the journey, it doesn't matter how quickly you get to the end of it. Yes, exactly. We have lots of time. <laughs> Uh, so what is your next goal? What, is, what are you excited about next? Um, I think the thing more is we have been working this fall on revamping um, the bar work that I have been doing. So um, I had been kind of working with and sitting on the combos and the steps that we worked on during the bar, during the bar portion of our lessons for a good few months or a year. And so we, we were kind of looking at my technique and how I'd grown and, um, we finally decided that it was time for things to get a retouch and to, um, to get a little bit more advanced, and a little bit more, um, you know, kind of push for some more, um, for some, there again, some more improvement and some more growth. So um, we um, are working our way through that. And I have, we've added a new bar exercise each lesson that I've gone to for the last three or four lessons. And um, the only one we've got left to switch over now are the bot maws and my um, bar work will be completely revamped and um, a, little, a little more advanced than it was before. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm also just beginning to really feel comfortable in um, myself. There again, doing more of the center work and doing more of the turns and moving across the floor and smaller jumps and things of that nature. So we're beginning to uh, work on that as well. And I'm really excited about that. And um, I think one of the future goals I think I still have for myself at this point um, um, would be to look at um, developing enough strength to be able to do some point work, at least at the bar. Um, it would be awesome to think that possibly I could do some very simple things in center, but at this point, I'm kind of I'm kind of happy to think that maybe at some at some juncture in time when I um, when I'm ready that um, it would be, I think, a, a good thing to still work with. And I think if you are a ballet dancer and you're not working to be on point, that's, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But most people, you've got it in the back of your mind because when you think a ballerina, that is what you envision is, you know, being able to um, make that transition to be able to work in point shoes and dance in those. And so that's still very much a, a thing in the back of my mind. And there again, I'm not so hung up on when it happens or that it has to happen immediately, but that is a goal that I have, um, that I have for myself and that I would, I would, if I don't reach it, that's okay. I'll get as far as I can in, in flat and be fine with that. But if it's something that I possibly can do, then yeah, I'm going to still work for it. <laughs> that is so exciting. That is, I think the most exciting day i mean um as you said it's totally fine if people don't have point as a goal but for those that do the day you get there is just the most magical just the most magical feeling um ever so i i hope you get there and keep working towards it because it is really really special i think that's just you know every little girl i think or at least most of us that have kind of had a little bit bit of a bent toward ballet it's like 
I can remember growing up, I had this doll um, that was a ballerina. And it was one of the few things that I could actually say was kind of a, a ballet memory for me. But um, I was maybe three or four at the time. And I just, she had the little crown on the top of her head that you held and then she spun. And of course she was on point, you know, so that kind of sets the stage for it, you know. <laughs> The crown really tops it off. That's, that's like uh, icing on the cake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so talk to me a little bit about your, um, your weight loss journey. I know you mentioned that that was something important to you. So talk to me a little about how that plays into where you are with ballet and, and, and all of that. Yes. And it, it, it turns out with me um, and people who um, haven't known me before may not realize, but I, I was, um, um, obesity has kind of had a prevalence in our family. Um, and part of it is the geographical area we live in and the kind of foods that are very typically eaten in this part of the country. And, um, part of it is a lifestyle choice thing and that sort of thing. You, I, I don't think you could ever completely really, com you know, put, put that on one factor or another. It's a, it's a, it's a blend and it's a combination of things, but, I always was heavier, um, even into childhood and in early adulthood. And um, I finally got to the point to where, I, there again, I had some other goals. At that point, ballet was not really in the picture yet, but I had some other physical goals that I wanted to meet. And I realized just how how unhealthy my body was and how unhappy I, I was that, you know, it, it wasn't to the level that I could do certain things. Um, so I, at my, at my, uh, heaviest point, I was probably around 280, sometimes pushing right at almost 300 pounds, which is not good. Uh, especially for my height, I um, tend to be a little bit shorter of stature. And so carrying that much weight from my body was not, and there again, it was, um, compounding some of the health needs that I had because of the condition that caused the blindness. And it was complicating matters for that too. And I finally just came to the realization that I, I, I've got to grab this bull by the horns and change this. Nobody's going to do it for me. You know, I, I, I was tired of seeing things that I wanted to participate in and wanted to try and couldn't because I was physically unable due to the weight. And so I had a really good friend who got me going down the right path of eating, eating well and taking care of my body, exercising, um, doing what I needed to do there. And it's just, once I made that decision to make that a focus and then I just went with it. And so um, over the course of about two, two and a half years, I went down from 280 pounds to now I usually stay around 160 pounds. Um, I'd like to come down a little further, but there again, I'm, I'm fine with where I am until I can, you know, finish working my way through that process. But mm -hmm. it was kind of as I was on the tail end of the weight loss journey that I had the ballet experience so uh, my body was already in a little better position to be able to um, do some more of that for myself and I think actually the ballet has kind of been a catalyst in the continuation of, of me wanting to stay on this wellness journey and keep it going and keep it consistent and you know not lag behind or um, because now obviously I was exercising before because I knew it was good for me, but now I'm exercising because I want it to be, I want it to help me be a better dancer too. So I've got the kind of a, um, it kind of gives me a dual focus for that and for how, you know, for how that's going. But, and I know people that are already in the ballet circle know how big of a thing it was for ballet that your body type at one point, you know, and historically if it 
was a certain way or it wasn't or um, and you know there was a big concern you know if a dancer started to if they gained a little bit of weight and started to get too heavy um, but for me it was almost the other way around the ballet was um, and because I did find some a lot of encouragement and a lot of help from um, people in the ballet community that were already being body positive um, for me it ended up being it kind of working in the opposite way as it does in most cases because <laughs> there was a, a this heightened awareness of how much more by my body could do than I could I, I'd ever realized before mm -hmm. and that it doesn't matter if it's not to the typical specs of um what, what might be most advantageous you can still take what you've got and make it work and um you know there there again with the flexibility aspect of it too you know i was so inflexible when i started but um about ballet has definitely made getting more flexible easier it's given me a purpose to work on it more and because of that it's it's been easier to um to push through it you know when maybe you have times when you don't see as much progress as others and thing you know or you start something new and, and things are a little hard at first but you're like this is going to help my dancing this is going to make me better and you know it gives you that motivation to work through it so um, for me it was kind of working the opposite way as it does with some where you know they're they get really concerned about their body and what it is or it, or it isn't for me it's like um, it's helped me working on giving me a focus for the things about my body that I could control and not to worry so much about what I couldn't. So for me, that's, that's been a blessing. That is um, a very powerful journey. I mean, to regardless of what you're doing, anytime you make a really big change in your body and your life, it is um, a, a sort of a huge deal, right? And as far as your mindset, as far as, as you said, taking control of it, taking, taking, taking the reins and saying this is this is um taking you know, a sort of deciding that you're going to do it for yourself and for the things that you want um what was that two two and a half years like that is a really long journey um that's a really long journey did you get discouraged along the way or were you just at that point so as you said just ready to make a change that that took you through uh, i think at my point i was so motivated to get it changed because i was just like this is just not acceptable anymore you know i have um and I could at that point started to tell the health of my family members that had been overweight over a longer period of time. I could see how it was affecting them and I could see myself spiraling down that same path. And it's like, I've, I've got to do something to stop this before it really, you know, it's like a bowl, like a, you know, you think about a snowball that starts little and it gains speed as it goes downhill. And I could just see myself there again, heading into that same direction. And I was like, but wait a minute, I can stop this. There are things that I can do to mitigate this now and, and not be in that same place that, you know, that they're having to be, you know, when I'm, you know, 10 or 15 years down the road. And I think that was a, that was a large deal of it too. And I also think just being a, seeing the progress start to happen and it was really slow and gradual at first, but just that first couple of pounds off was like, okay, yeah, I'm breaking through this. I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm starting on this, you know, it, we're, you know, you have to think you can't swallow the elephant at one time. So you, I, I think in that I took it in baby steps, you know, we're going to, you know, we're just going to start thinking the first pound or two or three. And then the next thing you know, it's five or six. And then, you know, you're a month down the line. And um, so the fact that the progress was pretty steady for me and that I was motivated well enough to that, I really didn't relapse once I started. Um, 
And there are times when we had planned for me to have a deviation and eat something that was a bit out of the system for me for here and there. And I think you, you kind of, there again, that's something that you deal with. You don't look at certain things as being off the table. You just, you know, I'll do this every once in a while. I'll do a smaller portion of this. I won't do it as much. Um, but once you start to see those first few increments of progress happening, and I think that just, it, that really motivated me to just keep on going and keep on pushing through and working with it. And um, the more my, I got to where my body was able to do more things, the more I, it, and I started seeing the improvement, the benefit there, it just really took off. That's amazing. Um, I, did you, were you always so patient before this journey or did you get some of this patience throughout this process. Um, you sound very patient to me with your mindset of, you know, not swallowing the elephant all at once with taking it day by day. Um, you know, you also mentioned in the beginning that people get overwhelmed with how long ballet will take, but just to keep going day by day, did you kind of already have that or is this how you got it? Um, I think to a certain extent, I, I do have a little, just personality wise, I think I do have a little bit more of a bent to it. Um, and I think part, partly that was through learning to do things through childhood and whatnot. Um, sometimes it does take me a few more tries to do something um, just because of the visual impairment. So some of that was kind of a instilled thing. And I think some of it is kind of just me. I'm just, I tend to be a very persistent person in my personality too. Just, I just, I think I'm part of me is wired that way. Um, but I also think part of it was learned, you know, because there were times when I was just like, you know, I just really don't feel like exercising this hard today, but I know it's going to be good for me and I know I need it, you know. So um, I think there again, you, there again, you just start thinking and anytime you get discouraged, just thinking of that little bit of progress you made and just um, knowing that you're continued, continuing to improve. Um, even if the improvements are small, that doesn't matter. You just look at, look at the fact that you're making gains, you're making, you know, progress and then that helps you know, that at least that, that has really helped and, and kept me motivated. Um, there was a picture I had near my treadmill that with a quote that says, you know, it doesn't matter how slow you go. You're still laughing. Everybody is sitting on the couch. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, I, I still think about that, you know, so. Um. Oh man, that's an awesome quote. I've not heard that one, but that is really, um, uh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> It is so true. It's a little bit, even a little bit is always so much better than nothing. Oh, exactly. Exactly. So that, that little bit of progress and motivation just always kind of pushed me further. Okay, let's keep going on this. It is hard today. It's okay. You can live in that moment for a moment, but then, yeah, come on, let's go. You can do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really, I'm really happy to hear that ballet was a very positive, um, factor for you in this because as you mentioned it is it can be having the opposite impact on on people but they cha the the changing body positivity especially in the adult ballet community that's hopefully starting to propagate into into the rest of the ballet world um, hopefully will continue to to grow and with you know our, our messages and our and our our way of being with just showing that it is ballet no matter what you look like if you're enjoying it if you're loving it if you're if it's helping you become a better person and live your dreams, then, then, you know, it doesn't matter what you, it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. Oh, exactly. Right. And you know, it, it's, um, people get hung up on, well, you know, you can't do that professionally, but 
there's still a lot of good to be had from doing something just for the pure enjoyment of it, you know? So um, I still kind of think of myself as a serious dancer, even though, no, it's not going to be my job. It's not going to be something that I'm going to get paid to do, but um, because it's important to me and because it, it, it's gives me joy in my heart to be able to participate in it and to also just see what it does for other people as well, who maybe are not as aware and those who just haven't had the chance to be exposed to it. Um, um, I've seen that, especially through those sensory friendly uh, nutcracker showings and the, the outreach that the ballet company there has had in the community with both the at risk um, children and students that, you know, maybe aren't getting the, uh, exposure to things like that, but also, you know, there again for the disabled um, individuals in the community as well. And they do reach out very heavily to both of those populations and just to see how those people benefit from um, being involved in ballet. They've even had a class specifically for um, Parkinson's patients um, and to see what a wonderful benefit that is for them. And especially given that diagnosis, how important it is for them to keep moving because the, the more they move, the longer they're going to keep the um, physical ability that they do have. Mm -hmm. um, so just kind of seeing how that has branched out and um, even how my own ballet experience, I've had the opportunity to perform for um, groups of both, disabled and um, non-disabled individuals a couple of different times and um, many of them probably had not ever been there again because of our geographical area and other things just probably had not ever seen a person dance ballet live or in person so for me to be able to bring that experience to them and seeing how it's kind of enriched them and, 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 add, and added to and um, expanded their perspective has also helped that's amazing. Um, it, it's it, very funny about ballet that we have this idea in, it, maybe it's in other specific sports too, but we don't question if someone's a serious runner if they run marathons. Even if they're um, amateur and they're running marathons, we don't ever ask them if they're a serious runner. Like we kind of get it that they're a serious runner, right? They spend all their free time running. They're really passionate about it. They have all the gear. But for whatever reason, when you're a dancer, it's like, oh, you're just like twirling around in a tutu. How serious could you be? But really, I think it's the same. I think there's really, it's very, very normal for people of any age to want to be very serious about something that is just, as you say, for the pure enjoyment of it. Oh, exactly. And there's so much to be gained and so much to, um, to be gotten, you know, and to grow there again, to grow into that role and, and take it, you know, take it as your own and um, just, just to see how far you can really go with it. I mean, um, if all I ever get to do is perform in there for, you know, little small local groups, hey, that's cool. I'll take that and I'll run with it. <laughs> and even that, I'm sure, is very magical. Oh, it is. It is. The, the few times I've gotten to perform have just been really wonderful. Um, and I, I really did come away with it feeling like I had um, I had broadened the, the horizons and the perspectives of the, of the people that got to witness it and, you know, to be able there again to bring to bring the magic that ballet brought to me and do that for another person. That's just really cool. So, so nice. Um, uh, you're Jamie, I could talk to you for the entire day. You are so <laughs> calm and inspiring and passionate. I could literally sit here and listen to you talk about your, about your mindset for the whole day. Um, but let's wrap up with just one last question, which is, um, 
if you if if there was anyone out listening to this podcast today, whether they're cited or not, um, what last words do you have for them to think about? Why why sh- why is ballet worth it? What is what does it mean to you? What what maybe last words do you have that you want to tell our listeners? Oh man, tough one. Um, just the biggest thing is just don't let anything stop you. Don't let any there again any preconceived notion or oh I've waited too late. Um, I you know I don't have the right this or the right that or um, you know or you know just you know don't don't let arbitrary things be excuses for you not to try because it's like for me it's like. You know, I just took the time to try and it just, it just took off. And, you know, the next thing I know, I mean, I'm, I'm already doing way more than I ever thought I would. <laughs> so uh, my, yeah, my biggest piece of advice is just don't let anything stop you. If you, and even, even if it's something other than ballet, if there's, there's something that you really would like to try for yourself or, or see happen for yourself or do for yourself, just um, don't think about, the what ifs think about the what coulds <laughs> um you know you never know even if you don't land on the moon you still probably are going to make make it to be with the stars so <laughs> yeah it's i think that's really powerful don't think about the what ifs but think about the what coulds right what could happen if i did this it could be great it could be magical it could be amazing and if not you could stop and it, you could end it right you don't have to keep doing it but it could be so it could be um more amazing beyond what you could have ever imagined. Imagined, right. It could end up being something that could be one of the greatest, you know, the greatest experiences you could have in your life. And if you would not have tried, you would have missed out completely, you know? Yeah. Wow. So powerful. Well, thank you, Jamie, so much for sharing your story with me and with our listeners today. This has been just an absolute pleasure for me to chat with you and to hear your incredibly positive and um, motivating mindset about the world. So thank you for your time today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I have really um, enjoyed listening to your podcast. And I really do consider it a great honor to get to participate in this and, and, you know, kind of be one of the... um, you know, the um, people that you've asked to be on it with us. Um, I really have enjoyed it and I really enjoyed what you're doing for the adult ballet community in general, but especially the podcast. They've really enjoyed listening and have gotten something very significant out of all of them. And so to, to follow in the footsteps of those that have already, you know, been in this role and now me getting to do it, it is, it's, it's definitely something that I have, Um, I've taken seriously and I really appreciate the opportunity. Wonderful. Well, I think your story is really inspiring. And um, I mean, just as you said, everyone has such an inspiring story and I um, have yet to meet someone who is not inspiring in some way, right? Anyone in the world who is taking a chance on themselves, anyone in the world who is doing something unusual or different or that takes the courage to actually go there and get started. Anyone in that position, I have so much respect for and love to hear how they got there because it's unusual. And like you said, many are sitting on the couch and those and those people who took a risk and took the leap, um, it takes a lot of courage. And I always love hearing everyone's stories as well. Yes, me, too, me as well. You know, they're all, there's always room for more. There's always... <laughs> always that extra little spark there, something that you just was not in your reality before that. Oh yeah. You know, so I think hearing, hearing others perspectives, I think kind of, and it encourages your own journey as well. I think. 
yeah, I, it, it's encouraged mine, that's for sure. And, you know, it started, the podcast started obviously during this COVID period of time. So I think for me being able to have a chance to have conversations with so many different people through this very dark period of time has been very helpful to be able to get different perspectives and see different parts of the country and the world and just hear from other people through this very, very challenging time. So I've, it's been a lifeline for me as well. Yes, I was going to say dance overall has very much been a point of stability for me through through this whole um, situation as well. Yes, uh, something to be consistent with and have as a as a rock. Well, it's so much fun, Jamie. This is this has been so much fun. I'm I'm super jazzed. I can't wait to go dance and just uh, you you've inspired me so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks for listening today, dancers. For more adult ballet, you can follow our studio on Instagram and Facebook at Broche Ballet. You can follow me on Instagram at Julie the Ballerina or check out our blog and YouTube channels for more content. You can even dance with us in our online studio with daily live Zoom classes, private lessons, and our on-demand video library. Don't forget to have your story featured on our podcast. Email us at hello at brocheballet.com. I'm Julie Gill, and this was Broche Banter. Happy dancing!